Hey, this is Tom Benty, the Tom Benty Media Podcast, and I'm here with Jersey Girl filmmaker Kelsey O'Brien. <laughs> Kelsey's a, a good friend. We've known each other for quite some time, and uh, she's here to talk about her creative journey. She has a lot of experience as an actor, as a filmmaker, and she has a film coming out, which was at the festivals, and now is going to be out on Amazon Prime called Love Magic. And uh, it's exciting, you know, to, to see independent filmmaking in New Jersey and, and have people get their projects out on big distribution platforms like Amazon is really inspiring. So, Kelsey, thanks so much for uh, for being here and, and for being a part of the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. And um, I do want to say this is really cool to be on your podcast. I we've known each other for years now. I listened to your podcast and I'm pretty excited to be here. So thank you. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much. Uh, so let's, let's take it back. Like, I know you have a, a great history with acting and you're very creative and you're very artistic and you're a filmmaker. So how did it all start? Um, I started acting as a kid, actually. Um, I started dancing initially when I was four so gonna age myself here but that would be 1978 so um i have some friends that used to always say to me one day you'll be this overnight success and i i actually think most actors are probably like me um maybe some of our projects get known overnight but for the most part we're in it for the pure love of the art for the passion for it um and there are different times in my life where I was pursuing other creative outlets more so than acting necessarily. Uh, but for at least probably the past two decades, it's really been focused on acting and writing and filmmaking, actually. So cool, cool. So uh, did was acting like your your first realm, and then you've gotten into filmmaking? Like that was my path. Like I started as an actor. I want to take more control of my career, so I got into filmmaking. Is that your path too? Absolutely. So yes, I started as an actor, um, loved acting. I did it throughout college. After that, I realized it was challenging, you know, as an actor, in some ways, you don't necessarily have the control you want, because you have no say in if somebody's going to hire you or not. And um, sometimes I started getting a lot of feedback, like, oh, you're, we think you're great, or this performance is great, but it was not the look we were looking for. I'm tall for a woman. Um, I'm just under 5'10", so that came into play on more than one occasion. Um, the more open I am with my age, sometimes I look younger than I am. Uh, so everyone think that's, thinks that's a really great thing, but it can be challenging as an actor. So I started making my own work because I had spent so much time on set and I really love what I do, but I wanted to see better roles for myself I wanted to see better roles for women and really with this feature too I wanted to see um things that we didn't see out there I feel like a lot of the times people hold on to those archetypes that they know and understand but it's not necessarily depicting our society as a whole in a realistic or even a positive way um and I I wanted to contribute to that I wanted to I had something to say and I wanted to say it. So I went into filmmaking and I should say, I've always been a writer as well. Um, I had my BA uh, was in English writing and then the theater minor. And then I started taking master's classes at NYU in writing. I've always been in comedy too. So I went through the whole UCB program that unfortunately isn't around anymore. But uh, if people are familiar with Groundlings, 
similar to that. The pit, I've, you know, performed at the pit and things. So uh, I just took it to the next level with my writing. And when I started filmmaking, I first did, I did a short initially. And when I started my protection company, I think, I think I started the production company in 2013. So it's been about 10 years. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And, and I love how you said like, you had, you have something to say, right. And like, I was, I'm curious to know like who your influences are. And I was actually just talking about this with my students uh, in terms of like finding your influences. And, and we had in my class, we had some really great, great responses and they had some really cool influences and, and me, I, you know, I know you're a fan too, but I, growing up in Jersey, Springsteen's a huge influence on me. And the part of it that I really responded to was taking something that's ordinary, like ordinary lives, ordinary struggles, and making them artistic and extraordinary and finding the beauty and the meaning and tr truth in the everyday. So, and that was really what my first film was about at the Jersey Shore is like taking this area and highlighting it in a way that showcases the beauty in, in, a, in a real genuine and truthful way. So who are your influences and, and do you have like a creative outlook that you're trying to uphold? Um, I guess, so for me, I, I, when I, in my filmmaking and writing, I still, I'm primarily coming from a comedy background and I do want people to see the beauty in it, the beauty in real life and also I'm always looking to kind of make fun of the absurdity of real life as well. Um, that's my viewpoint that I'm coming from a lot of the time. Uh, my initial short film was a silly short film. So for people looking to get into it, uh, I think the writing I still stand by was pretty funny. The camera work was not good, guys. I, uh, I rented the camera myself. It was a Canon D7 or D5 or something. I 5D. read the manual. 5D. Yeah, this should show you how much I know about the cameras. But I thought it was good for me to have an idea before I was hiring people for larger projects or also investing in larger projects I was going to make. Um, and I kind of use the parallel of a dating app for what it's like to be an actor auditioning. And <laughs> that's what my initial point of view there was. As far as I guess the icons that influenced me, I will say I, I got to work with Mel Brooks on his most recent film. It was, uh, he was the executive producer and his son actually wrote and directed it. And that was really a dream for me in a lot of ways. In the final film, I have, I think six lines or something and I'm still thrilled to have them because it's Mel's movie. But I got to be part of that film, even a little bit in the writing from its inception. I did all of the table reads. I got to play different characters. And then when I finally got to meet Mel at different screenings, um, that was powerful for me. He even, you know, he's someone that I've always looked up to that really used his voice and his humor. And I found him to be very encouraging in that way. So I would say he's one of my heroes. That's and then so cool. I. Yeah, it, that was really cool for me. Um, two women that are actually both younger than me and more modern, but I love Mindy Kaling and Lena Dunham's work as well. Um, for this particular film that we're gonna talk about, um, it was set in the city and I wanted to show the city as like another character. And I thought Lena did that really well with her show. And I love how both of them are actors and writers and they really, 
they're not scared to be bold and to have opinions. And um, that's something I always want to be able to do in my career as a filmmaker. Now, I've definitely seen that, like even in just the, the Instagram videos that you've made and the short comedy skits, like you, you definitely really kind of put it all out there and you're not afraid to showcase yourself in a, in a, in a, in a particular light. And, and uh, it's really, it's, it's very engaging and it's, it's very entertaining. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I think as actors, it can be tricky. Um, I know when I first started being really open about my age, I, I initially lost a, a part at one point um, because I was supposed to be playing, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 years younger than I was. And I think the industry can be tough on everyone in age, but I find it particularly hard on women. And I feel like, you know, we're expected to look a certain way a lot of the time. And because that was my experience, I try to be much more open and this might be, I might not look so good one day and another day, maybe I look better. It depends. Um, and as far as aging goes, I'm just going to keep aging. And I think it's important we all own that and talk about it. And as actors, if you're a casting director, you know, be smart. We're capable of playing younger than we are. We're capable of playing older than we are. That's why we're actors. So. Now, it's interesting. You're so open about that. Even, even SAG, I think they just passed the rule that you're not allowed to ask an actor their age. Is, is that correct? And you're, you're completely the opposite and you're just so open and how did, how did, like, how did that come to be? And, and do you think that like, when, when you see SAG and, and they have these rules, like, do you think they're kind of misguided or? No, I think it's a good rule that SAG has. Um, they do it because it's, it's still a rather misogynistic industry in certain ways. And it's definitely an ageist industry for everyone. I more for me to be comfortable with myself and to feel like I'm sharing my authentic self, it made more sense for me to just be open about my age. In the beginning, I wasn't. Um, I think I was 36 when I was playing a high school student on Gossip Girl. So, you know, I, I can understand why uh, maybe they didn't, they, they don't want, they want people to be more in the general age group. And the idea is, it's also legal on IMDb, I guess now you can't, IMDb can't force you to put up your age. Um, I remember hearing and it's because, because it's an ageist industry. But I think rather than us all try to keep looking younger and all try to hide our age, I think it would be much better if we could just be who we are. And again, as actors, we can play younger, we can play older. That's why we're actors. We're not always playing ourselves. We're always gonna be bringing something that's truthful to the performance. At least that's how I feel as an actor. I'm always gonna be bringing some level of truth to the performance. That's kind of the point, but it's not going to be 100% me. Yeah, that's a very, uh, very interesting take. It's, it seems like your whole creative approach is based in honesty and truthfulness. And you feel like to, to uphold that, you have to be honest about all aspects of your yourself. That's what works best for me. Um, I know other actors that are still very guarded about their age. I have a lot of friends that are that way, but I realize the more the more open and honest I can be about myself, the better I feel about myself. It shows in my work, and I I do always want to show something true and honestly something positive when I'm putting work out there. So very cool. So let's talk about this new project. I know it's going to be on Amazon relatively soon. And uh, it's a it's a film that you not only wrote, 
directed, starred in, and then you were telling me you were the makeup person, you were the set des designer. So you had all these different roles. So let's let's start with how did this idea come to fruition and, and what it's what it's all about. So it's been a long time coming. And I'm sure you've seen these people at film festivals that said, oh, it took me 10 years to make a film. Um, and I used to think, not me, not me. I'll do it like mine will be up there next year. And I was incorrect. Um, <laughs> I first came up with this particular idea around 2011 and this is kind of how I write I write in pieces and I'll go back to something um I between when I first thought of this I had written another screenplay that I was originally going to do um with my friend Johnny Gallagher who um, passed during the pandemic um and then that was never able to come to fruition and I came back to this idea that was just my screenplay and then um, some of the things kind of just fell into place. I knew the store I wanted to shoot it in. And as I went back to writing it, kind of on a wish and a dream, I found out one of my actor friends actually worked in the store I wanted to shoot it in. So Ran I like just randomly, you found out? Randomly. Like, wow. wow. We, were at, uh, um, we were at a rap party together and we were friends, uh, but we weren't close enough friends I knew were her side job was because also she was an actress and at the rap party she mentioned it and I said I've been kind of working on a script for that for a couple of years I just wasn't sure how I was going to be able to swing this and we started talking about different things and um I ended up pulling her in to be a co-producer with me and she it's it's Kat Cabrella's one of the you know um actors in my film she's an amazing actress and that started to help make it come together. Also, I will say, um, I John Paynes, who is my DP on the movie, we were both in Soho Film Festival together for short films we had just both done. And this was in 2013. And um, he said he would want to work with me on a feature. He had never done a feature film before. That's also how I got a lot of my casting crew and was able to do this. I kind of was like, who of my friends do I think is really down to get creative and help me on this? And that might, you know, want to be part of a bigger feature that didn't have that experience yet. And I am lucky that I've met some really smart, talented people. So when I say even the makeup, um, so what I did was for that, for example, I couldn't quite swing a makeup artist. I was in a tight budget and I am lucky a lot of people donated to, um, I think it was Indiegogo. It was one of those, like, you know, the Indiegogo sites that I raised money. But I've learned since, I've seen other people, sometimes they raise like $30,000, you know, just from that in a film. And I didn't do that. I had more people contribute that wanted to see it made, but not necessarily in as large of amounts. So I thought that was a great sign in a way too. People want to see this. So, um, you know, we put it all together with the makeup. I tested it. I went around, even with the wardrobes, I picked out what I wanted for the wardrobe. And then I would test it on my leads ahead of time so that when we came to set, I could direct and act in the film and put some of the other things aside. Um, with locations, some of the locations in Central Park and stuff, Sybil Santiago was so great for that for me. Um, 
she was my DP. It was her first time being DP on a feature. And what was really cool is a lot of these people, including Sybil, went on to be a major part of um, Sam, which was the Mel Brooks movie uh, that shot maybe six months later. So my crew from Love Magic kind of hopped over to be their crew. Um, Wait, I'm, so I'm sorry. So who is you, you mentioned you had one DP first. So did you have two DPs or? The... Oh, no, he, he was the same. DP, one DP the whole time. OK, so John was your DP. John Paynes, yeah. And then and who, I, was saying, and then... I, I met him. We were in this film festival together first. OK, for, both had short films there. He was not my DP on my short film. Uh, my short film, I had just rented a camera. It was my first short film. And I hopped back and forth in front of the camera and read the manual and tried to teach myself the camera. I very quickly learned um, I'm not a great camera woman, as it <laughs> turns out. Uh, my and sound who is, was, who, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but who is, who's Sybil? Uh, Sybil Santiago was, um, oh, you're right. I said she's my DP. I'm sorry. She was my AD. AD, um, okay. Director, Fashion. yeah. You're yeah. right. I said she was a DP too. That was not right. She was my AD, yeah. And then she went on to be the first AD on uh, Sam, which was uh, Mel's, Nick Brooks movie and Mel Brooks movie. Okay, so. gotcha, gotcha, cool. Yeah. So what's this? What's Love Magic? Can you tell us a little bit about the the story and and uh, what how like what's your creative impetus for this? Sure. So the story is Love Magic is based on Jane Austen's novel Emma that was written in 1815, and I kind of think of Emma as the original rom com um, before movies, before TV, just writing. It's still, in my opinion, the way it's written is so clever and I see it as the original rom-com. So I wanted to take that and flip it. At the time I came up with this movie and I set it, um, it's, it's set in 2013. So it's somewhat of a period piece in a way, I guess, <laughs> but- um, But you also, filmed it, you filmed it in 13 too, right? Yes, most of it. I've changed it. So I had an original, well, first I'll tell you why. So it's based on Jane, Austen, Jane Austen's Emma. And now Emma is a lesbian Wiccan. And that's kind of the flip. And at the time, I love my rom-coms, but I did see, I didn't see like a When Harry Met Sally where the characters were gay. Um, I think we had a lot more dramas at the time, which are very important stories to tell. But I also really wanted to see a really cute, campy, classic rom-com love story. And the two lead characters just happened to be gay. And I also, at the time, rarely were there as many um, rom-coms with lesbians being depicted. I felt like a lot of the time, if we saw that in TV or movies, it was like a writer's twist that they threw in for sweeps week sometimes. And it wasn't really depicting genuine loving relationships. So that was my main inspiration for doing it. Um, and I wanted all of the film, I wanted to see you know, a biracial family in it because my family is biracial and I never really saw that growing up. I wanted to see religion as a big theme throughout the movie. So we have, uh, they talk about Catholicism. We talk about Wiccan religion. Uh, one of the girls studies religion. And I think it's interesting to be able to see that these people could be 
religious and loving and maybe not as traditionally depicted necessarily in the past. So those were all the things I was going after. And I think part of what I really wanted to capture is because the subject in some ways could be heavier. Like I didn't want it to be an educational film. So I just wanted it to be cute and light and campy. And this is just who these people happen to be. And then again, to go back to the original Emma, because people that say they don't understand and some people still say things like this, they don't understand how a gay relationship works. There's nothing to understand. Love is love. Love has always been love. That's why I can take you know, a novel from 1815 as the backbone of what I wanna put out there now and it still works. It's, it seems like a lot of the themes that you're talking about when you made this film back in 2013, it seems like it's very prominent right now in 2023. It almost seems like it's ahead of its time. Do you, yeah. do you, do you get that? Yes, I am ahead of my time. <laughs> um, I'm teasing, but I was excited. Last year, they actually made another movie that was based on a Jane Austen novel that was also uh, had gay characters at the leads. And this is a question I've gotten from people. Am I disappointed that I didn't get to, you know, be first? I didn't have this huge budget in some ways. No, I'm not disappointed. The whole point was that you know, we embrace this more and more. And I think it's very relevant still today. If anything, uh, some people are even angrier about things they don't understand today, I would say. A lot of people are more guarded since we've been through this pandemic. So I think it's even more relevant in a lot of ways that love is love. It is not threatening you, even if it's not your choice. This is, it's a beautiful thing for all of us, so. Cool, so you made this film independent I've, I've been there it's it's always a crazy experience but you do it because like you said you have a passion for it you have a love for it and uh it, it it gets made and then what festivals did this this film screen at okay so this is where it gets kind of tricky because it's not technically the same film um i initially screened the footage as a film called enchantments and i screened that I think it finally came out in 2015 and 2016 we won we screened at a bunch of festivals um a number of them and they were really great um but we won best picture at the Ridgewood Guild uh and that's in New Jersey the Ridgewood Guild Film Festival we won uh best well I guess I won um best actress as the art is alive film festival and I won Best Director for a feature film comedy in the Atlantic City Film Festival. Wow. Sinfest. And then we screened a bunch of other ones. It was really exciting. And my initial thought was then I would go, I went to AFM. Um, I was at AFI because I was in somebody else's film that was premiering at that festival. And then I went to AFM, which is the American Film Market. And I thought I would just go there to sell the film. And this is where I encountered <laughs> um, a lot of pushback about it. And since then, I've encountered some people have been really supportive. A lot of people would ask questions. Um, 
you know, like how hot are the lesbians? I can't sell it unless the lesbians are hot are hot enough or like how naked are they? Um, I have two Indian American gentlemen in the film. They're on the poster. They're both amazing in the film. This was a problem for a number of people. Apparently the fact that there are two of them, honestly, it's crazy how often people brought this up. Like, did it symbolize something? There are more than two white people in almost every film. No one cares. The fact I had two Indian American gentlemen, a lot of people had comments about that. Um, I had two offers to buy the film. And, you know, financially, what I in some ways maybe should have taken it, but I couldn't give myself over to it when they wanted me to change the poster for what I realized were really racist reasons. I just couldn't do it. So I had this film for a long time. I've tried to work with other people. I changed parts of it too. I went back, I re-edited it. I changed the name. It's now Love Magic. Um, the bare bones of it though are close to what I initially had edited. It was more, I just couldn't find the right people to distribute it for me. Um, we had a deal once people were going to put it out in a Walmart for DVDs, but I don't know like how many people are really buying DVDs anymore? I don't think that many. Um, so in the end, I decided I'm gonna put it up on Amazon myself and I'm donating 100% of the project, the profits to the Trevor Project. I think, you know, now more than ever, actually, it's very important. And because a lot what of- is, I'm sorry, for, for those that don't know, what is the Trevor Project? Um, the Trevor Project is for, is the support system for queer youth so that they don't feel alone. They have a place to go to talk to other people that will support them and they can identify with. And really it's just about the support. And um, it's, a, it's a very high suicide rate, unfortunately, for queer youth, especially transgender youth. And the Trevor Project provides incredible support and programs for that. Wow. So I, I comm very commendable. I mean, you go to AFM and I, I'd actually I'd like to talk to you about that because I'm I'm actually hoping to go to AFM this November. Um, but you did get offers and because they weren't in line with your belief system and they felt you felt like they were going to change it because of really bad reasons, you just said no. I mean, that's very commendable because uh, not a lot of people would do that. I mean, let's let's be honest. Yeah, I've been told that a lot. <laughs> So in some ways, um, you said it very nicely, I guess, in terms of not a lot of people would do that. And a lot of people did not think that was the right move, I guess, in terms of some of my industry friends, but it didn't feel right. I guess, you know, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. If I'm going to put something out there, an honest part of myself, and especially people worked on this film for me for free, you know, and I have to honor that. We put it out there for a reason. And it wasn't to have some creepy industry people change it in inappropriate ways. Um, and I am hopeful, I will say, I don't know if you've had this experience, but at one point when I was doing the film uh, festival circuit with the earlier version, I had people contact me from another country. And as it turns out, people pay you from other countries to screen your film, even at the specific festivals. So um, I made enough money off of that to then, you know, invest back into it, to keep at it, to 
re-edit it to decide to talk to some other people about distribution and in the end to decide that I'm going to do it myself. It wasn't very much, uh, to be honest. That makes it sound like I made a lot of money off these film festivals. It was $1,000. <laughs> but it was still encouragement and something showing that people will be able to appreciate it and like it as it is. And that was feedback I was often given too. This will only play in this country. Only Americans can appreciate this. This will never fly anywhere else. Um, it was a lot. I was surprised. So I was what... surprised even at AFM. Um, one of the gentlemen, you know, I was going back and forth and I felt a little uneasy during our meeting at times. And then actually said, I'd like to see some clips. And he was like, what about the bodies though? Can you take your shirt off? I was so blown away. <laughs> he said he said that to you in the meeting? Yeah. Oh my God. I walked into one of the booths at AFM. I, I, I was wearing a blazer, you know, I'm, I'm a producer. I'm presenting it at this point as I, and I walked into one of the booths at AFM and he said, so that we could see more clearly, can you just take, uh, take, uh, you know, open up your shirt, take your jacket off. And I kind of was startled and I was like, you know, I'm not sure that this is a great fit for me or my film. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. Um, I didn't get any huge offers. I will say that too. I didn't get any, um, like Johnny at one point was like, you're going to make hundreds of thousands off this film. It's so good. Um, uh, this is uh, Johnny Gallagher and he was a great support for me. I never got any offers that high. Um, I got two offers for 50 grand, uh, which still would have been very nice and gone, you know, helped me make the next film, but I couldn't sit with it. I just wasn't okay with it. It wasn't why I made it in the first place. And again, it wasn't why other people helped me with the film in the first place. I think everyone that helped me with it really believed in what we were doing and what we were putting out there. So I had to honor that. So now you're doing and you have options for self-distribution and just putting it on Amazon and getting on a huge platform out there. And you have a great social media presence and we'll promote it on, on my podcast, obviously, and I'll promote it. And you can get the word out that way. You don't necessarily need to go through those routes. And if it goes against your beliefs and you feel like you're not doing business with people that um, are just not who people you want to do business with. I mean, uh, that's really commendable to take that stand to say, you know what, let's, let's figure out a different way because this really just goes against my belief system. And it not only for yourself, but as you said, for the people involved that spent all this time for very little or no money to be a part of a, a project that showcases something in a way that really, um, that they want to make an impact and they want to tell a story that is meaningful to them. And, and to do something that goes against that is just not, in line with your value system. And I, I do respect that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say too, there are people that wanted to help me. Uh, I had one friend that produces much larger films for the most part, and he uh, attempted to show it to some of his distributors. Obviously everyone told me I should, this was another thing I, I didn't want to do. They said I should only distribute it to gay distributors. The gay distributors would like it. And I felt like that was really defeating the purpose. I didn't just, it's not just for gay people to watch. It is for all people to watch. Maybe people, you know, straight people to watch, non-binary people. 
I don't care what your sexual identity is. I hope you enjoy the film. So that was another hurdle that, although they said they might be able to help me with only those specific distributors, um, any distributors that they particularly were familiar with that would do all films weren't interested. So it's been, you know, a challenge, but I'm, it makes it that much more exciting now. I have to say, I'm really excited now and I'm really excited the money's going to charity and I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait yeah. for everyone yeah yeah it's, it is exciting you know you get it's getting out there on the into the world that that is really exciting so uh, let me ask you just a little bit about is i know obviously you, you didn't have a great experience with afm because of some of the players that you met but what it because i like i'm going this is kind of personal but i'm going in in november what is it like so you have a completed film and you have like a booth set up like how how does it all break down and and how does it how does it all work so I went as an independent producer to um, talk to distribution houses that might be interested in distributing my film. And at the time I went, I figured we won these awards. We had all the accolades. We played all these festivals. Like I'm in good shape. I learned that the majority of people at AFM were all there for the same reasons that I was. It was interesting to me, um, like Universal took a meeting with me even, which I was just shocked i would say if you go go with your ideas go with your pitches and make sure you give yourself the time talk to every single booth make the meetings um i was blown away that those people <laughs> universal was not one i thought would be interested in talking to me but they did take the time to talk to me they actually liked the clips of my film but they said it wasn't you know they were only interested in much higher budget pictures so until i was working more in the millions it wasn't something for them specifically. Um, but that's that's all you do. You kind of go booth to booth. I had another friend go to AFM a couple of years ago with a pitch and he did not find it to be a particularly great experience. Like they went booth to booth, but no one was really, and he had some names attached to the film. Um, people that are looking for just money and investors it's i think it's going to be tougher if you have in it it's not to say it can't be done i'm sure if you have a really great pitch uh someone will take it but make sure you're really prepared if you're going with the pitch have every have everything done in terms of budget what you want like you need to be really clear and prepared with your materials if you have a film um, again, clear and prepared with your materials. Make sure you have copies for everyone. Make sure you have great trailer clips. The smaller houses were pretty interested to a point, you know, in that um, I, I didn't have the experience I wanted with the people that were flat out going to be giving me money for it. And I was also being given direction from a lot of other people still at the time that felt I should be you know, selling it for more, selling it for this. And, and again, I wanted to see it on a large platform. I guess this is also my experience as an actor. I've been in a number of other people's smaller budget films at this time, and it's it can be a great experience, but sometimes the films don't necessarily go anywhere. Like the promotion of it is just as important in a lot of ways as as making the film. So part of what I did after AFM was I came home and um, it's interesting because you noted my social media, but I came back and I thought, 
All right, there's a possibility I'm going to have to do this myself. And I think I went to AFM in 2015 or 26, probably 2016, actually, because I think it was after we won most of the stuff. So um, I came back and thought, if that's the case, I'm going to need to have a real platform to, you know, get my movie out there. And at the time, I had only been on Instagram for a couple of years. And I remember my first... Um, you know, the Getty images, we all get excited, or I did. I used to get excited when I got my first Getty images. It felt like something important as an actor, I guess, right? Um, and I would get maybe like nine likes on a picture <laughs> because I wasn't an influencer and because, you know, I graduated college originally in the late 90s. I, you know, this is not part of people in my age group generally aren't as interested. So I thought, I'm really gonna have to build this platform. If I'm gonna put this movie out myself, I've seen other great films live and die on YouTube because not people don't know they're there and nothing really happens to it. And I just couldn't let that happen to this film. So that was one of the things I started doing. I started really building my social media. Um, as you know, I entered the Sports Illustrated swimsuit contest. Now at this point, I've been doing this for a while. Um, I was a finalist in 2019 and all of that really is, goes back to supporting. <laughs> I wanted to be able to get my movie out there. That goes back to supporting me as an actor and a filmmaker and a writer and getting my voice out and getting my movie out there. That's really why I started jumping in more on social media. Yeah. I mean, it definitely helps today. Uh, even if it didn't help it just a few years ago, I mean, having a presence online is is huge. And I was listening to a podcast with a Netflix exec just this week. And they said, if, if you have a big presence online and your film has a big presence online, like they'll take notice like that really matters. And it, it, like I said, just a few years ago, you didn't really think like that. You think, well, I'm going to do the festival route. I'm going to go to AFM. And but now having that social media presence is huge and it gets you exposure and it can get you distribution. It's huge. It's huge. Um, they will do Netflix. Absolutely. If your film has enough traction on YouTube or on another platform, they will pick you up. That's another thing is now, I mean, with the smart TVs and all the different platforms, um, you know, again, I chose Amazon because it was a giant everyone heard of, but there are a couple that approached me. There were independent film platforms. I don't know if you're familiar with these yet, um, but there are a couple of them that are just for indie films and they'll pay you better for your film but there it's just another platform it's kind of like how we have you know peacock now is making a i feel like there's so many different tv stations and things so it's more important than ever that we really also be able to own our own space as filmmakers and get the word out ourselves and make something happen with that yeah definitely well we, i have to wrap up here but what's next for uh for kelsey o'brien Besides, I know you have your film coming out and uh, I'm, I can't wait to check it out on, on Amazon. Love Magic. Sounds like a great project. Do you have anything else in the works? So I, this is going to sound really not that exciting, but I have a couple of films that I'm working on, but I can't really talk about yet because I'm not sure what I'm going forward yet with. I have one feature I've written myself and another feature that I have just started talking with someone else about possibly collaborating uh, together on. So those are the two things I'm really focusing on. And, you know, again, truthfully, I, 
I'm trying to really focus on love magic at the moment. Cause I think it's easy for us as creatives to want to jump to the next project. Like this is the hardest part. Getting the word out there is the hardest part. Getting people to watch it, getting people interested is hard. I'll do everything on the set. <laughs> I love that part. Um, so for right now that that's what I'm doing. A couple of fe features in the work and focus love magic right now. Awesome. Well, again, can't wait to check it out. Wish you all the best with it. Always uh, nice seeing you. I hope to see you soon. I hope we can go surfing and fishing uh, down in uh, Asbury. But uh, Kelsey, uh, really inspiring story. You're a great artist. You're a true artist. And uh, it's a, it's been a joy to have you on the podcast today. It was so great to be here. Thank you. And yeah, we're definitely going surfing this summer. I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> definitely.